Tigers on Cage. Shoots and scores! Jesse and Lance talk Tigers and all things WHL with the voice of the Tigers, Bob Ridley. Tigers players, Tigers alumni, and insiders across the WHL. Here's your host, Jesse and Lance. Tigers Uncaged podcast powered by South Country Co-op episode 7 and this week is such a big week you're not only just getting one podcast Mm. you're getting two yeah a little bonus coverage if you will because we got into it so much this week that this podcast alone if we would have done one probably would have been close to an hour yeah a little too long (laughs) a little too long uh the reason why we're doing two so Scott Robler going to join us next segment. Yeah. Uh, play-by-play voice for the Calgary Hitman, Brad Curl. Yeah. Going to jump in on the part number two because, uh, of course, Tigers and Hitman have a home-and-home. And And then on the second episode that runs with this, this is like point A or whatever we're going to call it. I don't know yet. Yeah. We'll we'll see when we post it. But the second edition of episode seven has uh, Scott Roblin's full conversation with now Columbus Blue Jackets forward Cole Sillinger. Yeah, how wild is that? Yeah, crazy. So cool. And uh, so it was great to get a chance to talk to Brad from the Calgary Hitmen uh, because that's what this podcast was kind of about. Like We wanted to branch out and talk to other teams. Like, me personally, I love the WHL, but I only know Tigers. Right. I only focus on the Tigers. Right. I don't care about any other team until we get the maybe playoffs or whatnot. Mm-hmm. To sit down and kind of ask questions about the Calgary Hitmen as we get set for a home and home was very educational. Yeah, and it's good because it kind of expands on some of the different faces that we're going to see in other division rivals for quite some time. Of course, you had Andrew Peard with the Edmonton Oil Kings a couple weeks ago, and you will see a lot of Edmonton the rest of this year and into next year. And so getting to be familiar with some of their top players, Calgary no different. Uh, Riley Fiddler-Schultz and, and yeah. Sean Shigel are a couple that are big names there. And uh, a little Southern Alberta connection in net for the Hitmen out of Tabor that uh, we can dive into with Brad as well. So Calgary Hitmen could be an interesting team down the road. This year, next year, year after that, could be fun to watch. Uh, also, talking to Scott Roblin, a blast from the past, Dylan McPherson, former Medicine Hat Tiger from Redcliffe. Mm-hmm. Big news regarding him. Breaking news, if you will, that Scott Roblin uh, shares with us. So that and a whole bunch more coming up. Come on. Check it out. Tigers Uncaged is powered by South Country Co-op. Tigers! More roar in a minute. When it comes to your choice of beverage, you have your favorites. And when it comes to the place you get your beverages from, Co-op Liquor Stores is the favorite. They carry a huge selection of wine, spirits, local and world beers. Stick to what you love or try something new. Co-op Liquor Stores in Crescent Heights, 13th Avenue, Redcliffe, Dunmore and Strachan Road. All open seven days a week. South Country Co-op. Proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. We've been part of the farming community for generations. Planning. Advising. Getting our boots dirty. Helping farmers thrive and enhance their land. This is core to what we do. Because we believe that each crop should be grown with precision. Grown with care. And grown with purpose. We are a different kind of business. We are building a legacy. We are South Country Co-op. Tigers Uncaged. Let's go! Powered by South Country Co-op. Here's your host. And I reveal myself to you all here. Jesse and Lance. Behold! Well, not the weekend. I feel like we say this all the time. Not the weekend that the Tigers wanted. They went into Swift Current. 
I thought it was going to be an easy dub, but apparently when we play the Broncos, not an easy dub. No, they're a really good team against the Tigers. Apparently. Apparently. Losing that one and then losing in overtime to the Moose Jaw Warriors. Heartbreaker. At least the Tigers get a point out of it. But uh, to break down the weekend, as always, we have the interim play-by-play guy, Mr. Scott Roblin. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you guys? Good, man. What are your thoughts on the weekend? I would assume that you probably thought what we did going to Swift Current, beating them last time around. Maybe it would be an easy W for the boys. But not so much. Well, it just goes to show that legitimately every night your team has a chance to pull out two points, whether you're facing a contender or facing a bottom feeder in the Western League. And for Medicine Hat, taking on Swift, it hasn't come easy. They lost uh, their first two games of the season against them on WHL opening weekend. And then their third meeting of the year, they won an overtime in a back-and-forth thrilling game. Uh, Lucas Vakovsky with the winner in that one. And then... Friday nights, you know, everything was lining up for the Tigers. I mean, they were looking to end a losing skid, but going into that game, Swift hadn't won in their last 10 games going into that that uh, contest. And the Tigers, I thought, especially near the end of the first period for the rest of the night, outplayed Swift Currents. They outshot them by quite a wide margin. We're getting good puck movements. Um, Isaac Poulter, he's, uh, he's – Pretty good netminder in this league, mm-hmm. and I think he gets overlooked a lot just because Swift Current necessarily doesn't have the one of the top records and are considered a contender in the league. But over the three games that he's played against Medicine Hat, Isaac Poulter is a 951 goaltender against Medicine yeah. Hat. Does he have a vendetta against Medicine Hat? Like, does, <laughs> did someone here hurt him? Yeah, like that know. he just wakes up and he's like, he chooses violence. Tigers. Yeah, <laughs> right? like, we're gonna hurt this team tonight. Like, it's wild. His best games have been against the Tigers. Yeah, and he, I wouldn't say. Well, he didn't face too many um, in tight chances, rebounds, those type of things. But it was just a a night where the Tigers had so many opportunities, especially on breakaways. Corson Hopwo, I'm not even joking on Friday night, had four or five breakaways himself. He scored on one of them. Mm -hmm. That was back in the first period uh, to tie up the game. But he just kept getting stoned every single time. He'd pick up the puck, would blow past defenders, and would get one-on-one in. Poulter would make the stop. And um, for Medicine Hat, you know, they uh, it really was a 2-1 hockey game, even though the final score was 3-2. Uh, Swift Currents scored on an empty net late, and then Medicine Hat scored in the final 30 seconds to bring them back within a goal. But honestly, it was a 2-1 game for, for most of it. And uh, it was just a, a tough go for the Tigers and a game where you get the chances, you get the opportunities, but you kind of get goalied at one end of the ice. And then... On Saturday night, um, it was uh, a different kind of uh, frustration for the Tigers because I thought they played quite well for most of the game. Um, I thought that uh, they played better than uh, the previous game they had against Moose Jaw and had that lead going into uh, the final three minutes of the third period. But, you know, Moose Jaw's got a dynamic offense and Medicine Hat sometimes is prone to defensive breakdowns. And that's what led to that goal from Jagger Furkus to tie it up. And then once you get to three-on-three overtime, if you uh, give Denton Matejchuk the puck for uh, for Moose Jaw, he's going to make something happen. So Tigers, like you said, do get a single point out of it. But this is just a, a snake-bitten team right now that uh, is honestly playing some of their most consistent hockey of the season and not getting rewarded for it. That's the the difficult thing is that you look at their game and there's there's not a ton that you can point to as being problematic. Like they're they're cleaning up a lot of the structural miscues that we saw earlier in the year, especially in their own end. That, those are kind of fading away. They're, they're moving the puck well. They're transitioning well. Um, when they get their legs going and they start stringing shifts together, their offensive momentum really kind of stays down for, for minutes on end. So there's nothing that you can directly point to other than almost just a little bit of bad luck. Yeah, and 
for the Tigers, what's basically happened is for the vast majority of the game, especially at five on five, they've made such huge strides when it comes to uh, even strength play and consistency, being able to break out the puck and uh, contributing less turnovers and those type of things. But they still have, you know, every once, twice, maybe three times a period where just a defensive breakdown will come, and almost every time it's ending up in the back of their own net. Yeah. You, you see that happen for, on the other side of the ice, where the Tigers are controlling play, and they'll get some quality chances, but won't be able to bury it sometimes. And that's that's a big thing, though, is that yeah. like as close as these games have been, you can't win on two goals a night. Yeah, and and that's that's a that's a bit of the reality of this too is that they're not getting a lot of run support for either one of their goaltenders on a night to night basis. Yeah, and that's that's a tough thing with this team because they've they were making big strides when it came to um, their depth scoring, and I still think that that is the case because you are seeing guys who are finding the back of the nets. Um, Oren Strom's been able to score Ashton Furster the other night. Uh, you are getting guys who are contributing, but you know the the Tigers aren't putting up four or five spots on teams right now. It's it's very much is that, you know, two or three, and it's not for a lack of effort. You know, it is it is funny how early in the season the Tigers were getting outshot like crazy by most of the teams they're playing and still scoring three or four goals a game. Yeah. And now that they're getting more chances, they're not getting the bounces and, and the rebounds and everything that they become accustomed to. So I, I honestly think it's it's a little bit of a flip from the beginning of the season because early on, I mean, we saw Lucas Vekovsky go off and be one of the more productive players in the league uh, to start the year. But you're seeing a guy like Horace and Hoplo who just really struggled to put the puck in the net for his first four, five, six games. And then finally, when he scored against Swift Currents, uh, it was a huge relief. And then that started that role. I'm finding the opposites happening from the team aspect. You know, early on, the team was able to get some goals and you know, individual players were getting a bit frustrated. Mm-hmm. Now I'm finding it, it's just overall for the team, it's like we're trying everything we can yeah. and we're yeah. getting some more consistency and the results just aren't aren't coming around for the team right now. So I, I can understand the frustration that's happening when you feel like you've uh, you've put all you can into the game and you've been limiting the mistakes that's, uh, that you had early in the year and uh, the wins just aren't coming. Mm-hmm. I will say, I think that this podcast is having a, uh, a positive effect. Whoever we have on scores that next week. Zaykowski <laughs> was on, scored. Hoppo came on here, I mean, a couple scored. safe bets, but, like, yeah, you're right. True. You're right. But nonetheless, still happening. Uh-huh. Let's talk about the guy that has the most points on the team. Lucas Zaykowski mm-hmm. was missing in action Saturday night. Uh, we don't know if it's injury-related. You said that there was a little bit of ice or discomfort after the game on Friday. Yeah, so... Lucas played the entire game on Friday nights and didn't really seem to be in in any discomfort, at least from what I saw. Now, after the game, did notice that uh, he you know had some ice with him and sure. and was icing down. But I mean, that's pretty common for players. Yeah. He takes some bumps and bruises, and that was a yeah. pretty physical game uh, in Swift Currents. And then he was listed as uh, as questionable, um, a game time decision on Saturday night, and he did not take warm ups. And so that was kind of our first indication that he might not be playing. I, I don't think it's going to be serious. Um, you know, I don't have uh, any info currently on what the injury might be or what the severity of it is. But if he was listed as a game time decision for that game, I, I wouldn't think it's going to be anything that's going to keep him out long term. And the fact that the Tigers go a full week between games is going to give him plenty of time. So, um, you know, there's a there's a chance he might not play on Saturday night, but I'd put it pretty low. Yeah, one goal and seven points in his last three games before missing Saturday. But uh, two-parter, one about mm-hmm. Lucas. Is there almost after seeing how he started the year and how they were finding more success, and a lot of that came with goal scoring. He was putting up goals and they were finding ways to win. 
and then he ran off a string of a lot of no goal games, but a lot of assists. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, like the team isn't winning as much. Is there any correlation to that, or is it just coincidence? Um, I think it's just coincidence because Lucas is still as dangerous as he ever is. I mean, you you watch him on the power play and you watch him control the puck. I mean, he's not saying, "Okay, I'm 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 just passing from now on. I'm not going to get shot." He's getting his shots and chances. Yeah. It's just he's not scoring at the clip that he was before. But what I think is a big thing now that we've entered, we're about twenty percent done the season already, which is already crazy mm-hmm. to think about. But a lot of teams are keying in on Lucas because they have seen the strides he's taken. And I'm sure every coach that is matching up against the Tigers is saying, that is the guy we need to shut down tonight because he's arguably the most dangerous player on the Tigers. So what I'm seeing a lot is a lot of teams putting more focus on Lucas and maybe even double teaming him at some points, especially if it's, uh, you know, at five on five. But that opens up lanes for other players on the team. Mm -hmm. So Lucas, I mean, he's not a guy who's just going to, keep the puck every single time. He knows where his teammates are and wants to get involved in the cycle. So I think that's more so what's happened is he's been distributing the puck more because there's more of an emphasis from the other teams on defending him personally. Yeah, a lot more opportunity to move the puck around. The other thing I wanted to to dive into, and I don't know how much you noticed it, Jesse, but Scott and I really keyed on it Saturday night. That game is a lot more physical. And we're starting to see this with the Tigers more often now. They're getting physical on a night-to-night basis, more so than I think we've seen like, in recent history. Underratedly, the Tigers' defense is huge. Yeah. Like, big bodies on the blue line. Um, and everybody is is starting to take a little bit more onus on themselves to get into the corners. It was something we really didn't see over the first uh, couple weeks of the season was, you know, the Tigers weren't digging it in the corners as much. Mm -hmm. There weren't as many net front battles. Um, They were really kind of being kept to the perimeter. And that's what really led to a lot of the early offensive struggles for medicine hats um, in that Lucas Fikowski was scoring all the goals and no one else was really getting involved. I think that physicality is needed for this Tigers team because you're getting into the midway point of the season. You're facing teams two, three, even four times like Swift Current. I was asking Devin Pratt, the uh, interim head coach for the Broncos, about that. And he's like, yeah, this is, you know, the rivalry is back between these teams. We're seeing them four times a year. And Medicine Hat, there is this thought out there that Medicine Hat and it's a Willie Desjardins team that they're small and speedy and quick, and which is true. But this team has a lot more size than in previous years, yeah. and they're not afraid to use it. That assumption's been going on for years that we've always had yeah. these small, speedy guys. Even like the Cole Sanford days, right? We always had Butcher. Again, a guy who is faster, but wasn't using the body. That one dude from Musha, I thought he was going to go through the glass. I don't know who hit him from the Tigers, <laughs> but that was a loud well, hit. Oasis Wise Blatt threw some monster hits yeah. uh, over this past weekend. Bogdan's hot ass is really impressing me just his ability not only to provide offense to quarterback a power yeah. play but also to retrieve pucks in his Gleb own zone. Was in the body a little bit <laughs> Gleb too. Ivanov, Gleb, you know, Welcome uh, to the Dob Gleb. Two, two games fan. played for him, but I mean, he's a guy who's not only afraid to lay the body, but boy, he likes joining the oh, rush. Oh man. <laughs> like, holy cow. You don't got to ask him to join a rush. <laughs> no. Like he he it's an open invitation 24/7. <laughs> but like cuz you, you you've seen every single game in co-op place. I don't think we've seen a team be this physical no, no. night tonight. It's been a while. Definitely, definitely. Saturday night was the the most I've seen them use the body, finish the checks, and yeah, I noticed it when we were moving around that they were just they were hitting a like, lot more like than Teague I've Patton's seen. Patton's getting I was into a just fight. about to bring up like, Teague Patton. Like he he's a guy who doesn't usually lay the body very often, but he's a guy you don't expect really to drop the gloves. No. But like 
absolutely held his own and got some good yeah, shots. Same in with there. Carlin Dezane. Yeah, Carlin. Well, Dezane, we've seen he fight fought before. at home yeah. too, right? Yeah. I we, thought I thought Saturday night was Carlin's best game of the season. True, he was all over the ice offensively, was driving play, good possession. Uh, I really liked, especially the last two games for Carlin. Yeah, like, are these guys watching Hopwell because Hopwell, like offensively, he's been the guy that's using the body. He wakes up and he goes, "I'm a fight today. Yeah. I don't know who, <laughs> but I'm going to fight." And is that now the offense? Like Weisblatt saying, "You know what? Yeah, I it got is your a bit back. of an identity, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. They're, they're seeing a guy like." Hopwell, and they're like, you know what? He's scoring goals. He's using the body. I can do that. Well, and I'm the biggest, you. the biggest thing for the Tigers, and they haven't done this, so I, I don't think they will. But they can't let the physicality take away from what you need to do as yes. an offensive group and mm-hmm. score goals. That's what's made Corson Hopwell so effective over the last couple of seasons. Is he is a guy who will get into the corners, will give you a face wash, will drive you into the wall, but then will also get open after that and get shots on net. Yeah. So the Tigers, I think, are well positioned to become a team that can throw the body, can get into the corners, can set up in front of the net front like Ashton Furster has the last couple of games, but also realize that you're, you can't get distracted 100% with that. You still need to cycle and you still need to move the puck around. And I think if they can find a balance with that, that's going to be a big thing. Uh, Tigers, they got a weekend series against the Calgary Hitmen. It's a home-and-home. Home. Uh, do, we don't know much about the, the Hitmen. Are they uh, looking good? Are they kind of... Middle of the pack. You know what? You could say this with most Central Division teams. There are a lot of teams that are around that 500 mark. The Calgary Hitmen are in there. Um, you know, some some inconsistency, but I think that's kind of uh, to be expected early in the year. Look, they have uh, some absolute burners. Uh, Sean Chagall is going to be a big key for them. Riley Fiddler-Schultz is coming off a hat-trick performance. Um, and on defense, uh, Jackson Vandalist is big. And they also have uh, Keegan Slaney, who was acquired in the Luke Prokop deal. So they have guys who have experience. Um, it's maybe not quite as star-studded as in previous years but um they they have a lot of guys that uh have some some good experience in this league and uh, it's gonna be nice to see this rivalry re- reignite this weekend yeah that's sean Shigel. uh again world under 17s mm-hmm. was was at co-op place when that was here he's he's so fun to watch man. yeah i he's mean so good. he he was picked by the anaheim ducks this last summer for a reason and he's i think growing into his own as a player mm-hmm. in this league and um yeah, it's it's a younger Hitman team than we've seen in previous years, but it's still a very, very talented one. And, um, you know, I think for the Tigers to break this uh, losing skid, I think uh, a weekend sweep isn't out of the question. But it's just if they uh, they show up and, and get that consistent performance uh, all weekend long here. should also mention Riley Fiddler-Schultz, one of the best names in the league. You like that one? You're yeah. a big yeah, name eh? guy. I do. I do like names. You like Hot Ash? You like Gleb? Oh, Gleb. Well, nothing beats Gleb. <laughs> like, first and foremost, that's the best name. Hot Ash would be two. Yeah. And then, like, league-wide, I mean, taking the Tigers out, Fiddler Schultz probably up there. Like, low-key, how fun is it on the radio, like, doing the broadcast to say hot-ass as much as you? I've gotten like a it. lot of questions. I'm like, is that how his name is? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. So yeah, it's, was, uh, There it's, was one game, I think, in Moose Jaw, the guy said hot-ass. And I'm like, no, someone's got to correct him. Yeah. And, and second period, someone correct him because then he's like, hot ass. Right. And he really went into well, it. Well, the Tigers did a giveaway, and you you had to say hot ass. Oh, yeah, and he said, yeah, if you want to say in. the name twice, the text says, I think I did it six, you seven, eight times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Well, that's cool. Him and uh, Gleb are on the same D pairing as well. It's, so awesome. it's a lot of fun. It's so good. A lot of fun. Uh, just one more because I know yeah. we're going to get to your Cole Sillinger interview uh, here on the podcast, but there's some really cool news regarding not only a former Tiger, but a Redcliffe product as well. Yeah, Dylan McPherson, former medicine had Tiger and of course uh, you know grew up playing in the local systems here he has uh, earned himself a, a professional tryout with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins of the American so Hockey cool. League mm-hmm. he is in the Penguin system right now playing in the uh, the East Coast Hockey League and has had AHL experience before both with Florida's uh, organization and Pittsburgh's but uh, it's just another opportunity for him to maybe jump up a level and, and impress so uh, big congrats to Dylan and uh, still pushing on with his hockey career makes you feel like a proud dad when these Tigers go 
want to do something. Yeah. Christian's Rubens called up for the Leafs. I was like, yeah. way to go, bud. Right. And then two hours later, you sent back Literally for a cup of Literally, coffee. Literally, that was it. But uh, hey, thank you as always, Scott. You can catch him on the broadcast Saturday night, Sunday night, right here on Chat 94.5. More Hockey Talk on the way with Tigers Uncaged. Powered by South Country Co-op. For over 60 years, South Country Co-op has been part of our community. Families gathering around the table to talk about their day, share stories, laugh together, and just be there for one another. The meal on the table that brings families together is from South Country Co-op. Fresh local ingredients on amazing deals for you every single week. And their app gets you access to their flyer, locations, hours, and more. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. If we asked your car how it felt, it wouldn't respond. It's a car. But if we added some magical pixie dust and then asked, it still wouldn't answer. That only happens in the movies. But if we ask how you felt about having to fill your car, you'd probably say, I wish I got something out of it. Well, co-op members earn money on every liter filled at co-op gas bars. Fill up today on Strachan Road, 13th Avenue, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Redcliffe, Eagle Butte, and Dunmore, and Oyen. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. The talk of Tigertown. Great moments are born and great opportunity. Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance, powered by South Country Co-op. Welcome back to the podcast, Tigers Uncaged. Of course, huge shout out to South Country Co-op for being our sponsors Love on it. this. And one of the cool things that we said we were going to do when we did this podcast, we were going to branch out from the Medicine Hat Tigers. We also want to get the inside scoop on some of the other teams in the WHL. Maybe a little, maybe maybe some of the rivals as well. Well, I mean, we all know the Central Division has so many great rivalries within it. And uh, we always love getting that perspective on the other side. A couple weeks ago, we had Andrew Peard with the Edmonton Oil Kings. And we're happy that this week, we have Brad Curl from the Calgary Hitmen. As uh, the Tigers and Hitmen set to do battle on a weekend home and home. Uh, Brad, thanks for jumping on. First off, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, fellas. Appreciate it. Hey, it's always cool when we get to talk to the opposition. Are the rumors true? Which, by the way, Hitman, probably one of the best names in sports, by the way. I love the Hitman you, name. You love wrestling. Yeah. Is it true that if you uh, <laughs> if you anger Brett the Hitman hard, he comes down there and puts you in a sharpshooter? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stir him up, that's for sure. So make sure the people of Medicine Hat are well-behaved, especially if they come to the Saddledome on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I think the last time we, I took a bus trip up to the Dome like pre-COVID to, to check out the Tigers in, in Hitman, and I made sure I kept everyone in line as best as I could. So, <laughs> so if I come up again on Sunday, we'll be sure to do that. But, uh, Brad, it's been an interesting start to the year for the Calgary Hitman. I think uh, – maybe trying to find their legs at the start of the season and see what worked and what wouldn't. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you look at like their last seven, eight games, a lot of them one-goal games playing against tough competition. Yeah, it's really been a, an emergence of the young group. You think of this team two years ago when they were near the top of the division and they had the players like Mark Kastelik and Jet Wu and Yegor Zamula, Carson Folk. Well, you look at that roster, and of the 10 leading scores from that year, just two short years ago, only one has returned in Riley Fiddler-Schultz. So, it's kind of been a changing of the guard. I know on opening night, way back on October 1st, they had eight rookies in the lineup. They only have four players on their roster that have played 100 or more games in the Western Hockey League. So when you've got such a, a youthful team, not only do you have enthusiasm, you have guys that are trying to go, okay, do I belong in this league? Where do I belong in this league? 
You know, am I going to be an every night player? Am I going to be a player that uh, is going to be relied upon uh, or be in and out of the lineup? So everyone's kind of transitioning. The transition phase, I would suggest, is now over. And as a result, this Calgary Hitman team is starting to find its identity. It's a hardworking team. It's still very young. But there's lots of promise ahead. Well, yeah, they're, they're a very young team. And I think a lot of people were almost scratching their heads a little bit early on when the Hitmen decided that they were going to trade Prokop to Edmonton, which would be another rival. Was that kind of was the team looking at maybe this being a rebuilding year and just seeing what they could get for them? Well, I don't know if they want to use the word rebuild. You talk to any general manager, it's more of a, a retool. Uh, you know, rebuild to me means any player that is not potentially part of your future is out the door. I think it was a, it was just a perfect marriage for both teams. One, you've got an Edmonton Oil Kings team that is right in their final window. I mean, everybody knows in the Central Division, they've owned this division for the last three years. The Oil Kings put a crown on them, you know, all the hoopla. You could feel bad for them a little bit because they've had those so many great teams, but yet there hasn't been playoffs in the WHL in the last two years. But at the same token, it is junior hockey, so you've got the ebbs and flows. So for Edmonton, it's more of a win now. And they were looking for, a, you know, a bolster on the blue line. And Luke Prokop fit that bill. And for Calgary, they know that this is not likely to be a year where they're going to win a league title. They want to get to the playoffs, but they feel that this deal was really a perfect fit. You get two defensemen come in and Keegan Slaney and Blake Heward. You also get a couple of draft picks. So it's really a good fit for both teams. And for Prokop, an opportunity to play closer to home. He's an Edmonton boy, gets a chance to play with the Oil Kings. So, and Slaney and Heward have been really good for the Calgary Hitmen. Both have played in the top four. So it, it's been a trade that, although you give up an NHL prospect and Luke Prokop, the drop-off, I would suggest, isn't enormous because Slaney and Heward have been so good as members of the Hitmen. And, I mean, you guys are coming off a home-and-home home against Edmonton, Prokop coming back to Calgary. What was the reception like for when he got to play his former team? Well, on the ice, every Hitman player I talk to say, hey, yeah, we're friends with Luke after the game is over, but right now we're not friends at all. And, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, and, and that kind of transpired onto the ice. You know, Prokop was engaged in a couple of physical altercations. You know, it's Calgary, it's Edmonton. It's no different than the Tigers and the Hitman. When you've got division rivals, it doesn't matter. You know, you're a member of the team and, you, and your job is to, to go play for that team. So when the dust settles, yeah, you can text them and have some fun that way. But at the end of the day, it was it was real neat. The fans really appreciated having Luke as a member of the Hitman for as many years. You know, he essentially almost played 20 games as a 15-year-old because um, they had injuries that year and, and were able to call him up. So as a 19-year-old now, um, you know, it was, it was tough to see him go. He got a nice warm response by the fans, but at the end of the day, he's now on the other side, and, and the fans and the Hitman players were well aware of that during the game. Uh, Tigers fans and people here at Medicine Hats are going to be familiar with the name Sean Chagall as he played in the World Under-17 Hockey Challenge here at Co-op Place a couple years ago, and it seems like, Brad, this year has been a big step early on for Sean. Certainly has. And I think last year he was one of the benefactors of that shortened season. Nobody liked what we had to go through last year with the COVID-19 pandemic. And you really felt for the fans who were not allowed in WHL buildings. But the WHL, to their credit, along with the local health agencies, made that season kind of go. You know, it wasn't a full season, but still enough games, 20 or so. And for Sean Chagall last year, he was asked to carry a bigger load. Mentioned earlier in our interview about all those scores that were gone. Well, Chagall all of a sudden, instead of being a third or fourth line guy, found himself on the power play, found himself on the number one line, and just a tireless work ethic, and he translated that into a fifth-round pick of the Anaheim Ducks. And now this year, as an 18-year-old, they're really asking more of him. And he does have that tireless engine, and that's so, so fun to coach. 
You talk to Steve Hamilton, he can't say enough good things about Sean Chagall. When you've got a player on your number one line that likes to go into the corner and win battles and come out with pucks, and he's so aggressive on the penalty kill, you know, Calgary does penalty kill Fiddler, Schultz, and Chagall together on their top unit on the PK. They're also their top line. Um, you know, they, they, they think offense when they get the puck. And you just see the, the development in Sean Chagall and, and what made him a former first-round pick in the draft in the WHL level. He is going to be Calgary's number one left winger all season long. And when the dust settles, it wouldn't surprise me if he's got 30 goals at the end of the year. He's just that type of player that can compete at both ends of the rink, but compete is his middle name. He brings it. Yeah, we saw that a lot at that under-17. He uh, he never takes a shift off, but you, you touched on number ones, and Braden Peters, now that number one goaltender for the Calgary Hitman, last year kind of a split with Jack McNaughton, and this year uh, has emerged, Peters has, as the top goaltender, uh, and one of three 19-year-olds on the Hitman roster. So when you kind of profile what this year and into next looks for for Braden Peters, it, it seems like it's going to be a big role in, in taking this team to uh, higher heights. I would agree. And you know what a great story he has been. Um, you know, the pride of Tabor, Alberta, grew up in that in Southern Alberta minor hockey system and, and has really been able to have the opportunity to play close to home in Calgary. You know, he, he, he just speaks openly about how excited he is to have the net. And nobody else in the WHL has had the net more this year than Braden Peters. The Calgary Hitman, as we talk, have played 11 games. He has started all 11 games so he is the number one at the end of the day they're going to play 68 games there's no way peters is going to play at all 68 (laughs) it's just been a productive situation they had injuries in the net you know jack mcnaughton was here earlier this year and many thought he might contend for a 20 year old spot but unfortunately for mcnaughton he went down with a high ankle sprain and as a goaltender that's a long road back so he got caught in the numbers game and with nothing but youth behind him peters got the net and calgary's had a bit of a country club schedule you look around the league in the Central Division, teams have played way more games than the Calgary Hitmen. Yeah. So they haven't had those three and three or back to backs that often. This weekend, they do have the three and three, two against the Tigers, as you alluded to, but uh, they've been able to kind of ride Peters. I'd be shocked if he played all three games this weekend, but uh, hey, I'm not a coach. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be the craziest yeah, thing either. Yeah, I he, mean, he, he's, he's already started all 11. Why not just yeah. try and set a record while you're at it, right? <laughs> oh. Let's talk oh, about you never the weekend. Know. He is a teenager. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he's got a lot of energy. Bounces back. Uh, let, let's talk about the weekend that's going to be. I mean, in Medicine at Tigers, Calgary Hitman, off the podcast, Lance and I were kind of talking. This is a big weekend for the Tigers. The Tigers have kind of been hit and miss. They've been 500, if you will. I feel like they need that weekend where they need to branch out. They need to win both games. I feel like it is a yeah. must-win weekend. Do you kind of feel that with the Calgary Hitman? I know you said it's early, but, I mean, you want to have that really superior 2-0 weekend. You certainly do, and especially you know in this playoff race that we have. I know we're only a month into the season, but you look at the division, and basically Red Deer and Edmonton are starting to run away with it. So you look beyond that, and the Tigers right now, as we talk, are third in the Central Division, but they're only one point out of last in the conference. Like That's how crazy tight it is right now. So if you can perhaps sweep one of these teams that you're trying to fight for a playoff spot, Calgary and Lethbridge look like they're going to be banging into each other all season long, jostling for playoff position. So if you can perhaps pull the sweep, that's a huge, huge step in the right direction. But I think for the Calgary Hitmen overall, uh, you know, they're just not excited to play the Medicine Hat Tigers. <laughs> and I say that in the most respect possible because 
what was last year? It was nothing but Calgary Medicine Hat, Calgary Medicine yeah. Hat, Calgary, all in the division. The Hitmen were so excited to play teams outside the division. And I, I, I do joke a little bit, you know, Calgary Medicine Hat, I would like to see these teams play a lot. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's more about how you play than about who you're playing, especially when you haven't seen somebody early in the year. There's so many different faces. I do not have any doubt, though, that by the end of the weekend, Calgary and Medicine had to go, yeah, that was fun, but yeah, they're our rival again. We now know, we remember who they are. Yeah, 100%. I know that's how the Tigers are feeling to start this season, and then they got Swift Current like four times in nine games, (laughs) and uh, not not many of them went well, so I don't think the Tigers want to go back and see Swift for uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, Last one for you, Brad, and it just kind of is around where the Hitmen currently are and kind of what I was alluding to earlier with these one goal games, but they're, they're beating Edmonton. They're, they're beating Red Deer. And it feels like this central division is so in flux. We talked to our interim play-by-play voice, Scott Roblin every week. And, and Scott says, it's really hard to put a finger on where these teams stack up exactly because more so than almost any other season, any team can win any night. Yeah, there is a lot of parity in the division for sure, but I, I I I do feel that Edmonton is is the team to beat. I think they do have the pedigree and they they have a wild card in there. You know, uh, Jake Neighbors remains a big question for the Oil Kings. If they get him back from the National Hockey League, that is a game changer because as we talked about Sean Chagall earlier, not only do you get a number one line player, but you also get a, an NHL player in your roster, but you get that tireless work ethic. You know, Jake Neighbors is just a fun player to watch, so he can be a difference maker in that division. And I really think that Edmonton, the interesting part for them is because they are so good, uh, they might have the world junior impact. There's a chance that Dylan Gunther and Sebastian Kosa both make the world junior team, and all of a sudden maybe Edmonton comes back to the pack a little bit. Red Deer has done a magnificent job under Brent Sutter of retooling really, really adding some depth to that team. I think they are a playoff team. I still think it's Edmonton, Red Deer, and then everybody else. Yeah. Lethbridge Hurricanes kind of shocked the world a little bit when they moved Alex Cotton out because yeah. I thought they would be in conversation for a playoff spot. Now without Cotton, they'll struggle to score a little bit more. So this division, it certainly, I think a lot of it will go to the fact that how you do against everybody else. You know, If you can win your season series against your divisional opponents, you're going to find your way into the playoffs. For Calgary against the division, you mentioned they have beaten Red Deer. They have beaten Edmonton. Um, they haven't had much success against Lethbridge. So we'll see what happens with the old Tigers and the Calgary Hitmen. First of eight meetings this weekend. And why not play twice, two games in two days? Can't yeah. all wait. Both teams very hungry. Both teams very young. Both teams very aggressive. And uh, I cannot wait. Thank you so much for your time, buddy. We'll see you this weekend. Yeah, take care. Thanks for having me, fellas. More Tigers uncaged in seconds. That's how winning is done. Powered by South Country Co-op. When it comes to washing your ride, the most important thing is... Water pressure. Without it, dirt, bugs, birds, business, and everything else stays on. Thankfully, South Country Co-op Extreme Car Wash has the... Water pressure. State-of-the-art laser touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. Four locations, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Crescent Heights, and Strachan Road. This is your best wash. This is Extreme touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. You're at home here. Water pressure. When it comes to your choice of beverage, you have your favorites. And when it comes to the place you get your beverages from, Co-op Liquor Stores is the favorite. They carry a huge selection of wine, spirits, local and world beers. Stick to what you love or try something new. Co-op Liquor Stores in Crescent Heights, 13th Avenue, Redcliffe, Dunmore and Strachan Road. All open seven days a week. South Country Co-op. 
proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. Jesse and Lance are back with more Tigers Uncaged. Fast and fearless, baby. Here we go. Powered by South Country Co-op. So cool getting the opportunity to talk to uh, Brad from the Calgary Hitman. I'm going to say it again. I believe that this weekend is a huge weekend for the Medicine Hat Tigers. I don't know about Calgary Hitman because by the sounds of it, they're just having fun and rolling rolling the dice and seeing what happens. A little bit. I mean, there's a lot of development for, say, next year. I think that's where their window really opens. I mean, this season they only have three overages, mm-hmm. three 19-year-olds, and the rest are 18 or younger. So it's a yeah. pretty young squad that uh, that's kind of developing into next year, kind of like the Tigers are. So that's interesting. I mean, you go in there and you win uh, at least one against the Edmonton Oil Kings, win mm-hmm. a home-and-home, home. it's a feather in the cap. Yeah, it's yeah, good they, they've been playing everyone tight. I yeah. mean, their last seven games, any losses that they've had in there have been by one goal. They've beat Red Deer this year. They've beat uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings, like you mentioned. Like they're they're no joke. They're pretty good. This weekend's going to be a dog fight. Yeah. for the Medicine Hat Tigers, and I'm saying this because listen, Tigers have lost six straight as as we are recording this right now. The mm. Tigers need to end this because mm. as these kids, it's in the back of their mind. They need to go out there Saturday night. Co-op place, you're going to have the crowd behind you. You need to show the Calgary Hitman who is boss. Yeah. You need to go out there, and you, right off the hop, you got to score early because I'm, I'm tired of, of the games where the Tigers are letting the first goal within the first three minutes. Mm-hmm. Tigers got to score early. They got to score often. Then you got to go to the saddle dome, do it again. Yeah, it's true, and it should be possible considering the Calgary Hitman are playing three games in three nights. I mean – they're in Swift Current Friday, then co-op play Saturday in Calgary at the Saddle Dome Sunday afternoon. So it's it's a pretty tight turnaround for the Hitmen, which you know, getting on the bus and doing some travel, it's not super far, but it's travel it's nonetheless. Travel though. nonetheless with games mixed in. Although the, you know the these are young guys, there's still a little bit of wear and tear that gets put on you. Uh, especially when you get into Sunday afternoon. It's the third and three nights. So. And I know it's early. Trust me, I know, what we say, 20% into the season or something mm-hmm, like that? Around there. We're going to start running out of time. And I think that uh, you look at a guy like Svekoski, could be a lot of value in there. If the Tigers end up losing this weekend, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's conversations that if we go eight straight, I mean, what's something's got to change. Yeah, you've seen... Uh, overages like Alex Cotton get dealt in in Lethbridge, and it kind of puts into perspective what the return back can Man, be. Man, the return on that trade! I know there was no first round picks, but there was a lot of picks in that a lot trade. Of, a lot of depth picks, yes. in in future drafts. So, so there's obviously going to be a market if it ends up going down that road. Fingers crossed, it doesn't. No, the no, Tigers no. need wins to uh, to kind of stave that off because Lucas is going to be a big part of this team this year. Uh, so, so Tigers need to. To win one for sure, but I think uh, a sweep this weekend would be would be huge. I mean, the tides are going to turn because you look at the the next little bit of games. Mm-hmm. Now, you have the Lethbridge Hurricanes, which, again, you should be able to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to get Regina and that Connor Bedard kid you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> that, that's a Jekyll and Hyde team. Yeah. But then that Winnipeg Ice team is going to come in here. Uh-huh. And that, as much as I'm looking forward to it, because you never know, that's going to be a hard game. Yeah. So you have to take advantage of the next three coming up. Tigers go two and zero. I hope so. I, I think the Tigers have the potential mm-hmm. to g- score early, score often. Yeah, they're going to have to blow out Medicine Hat. Close game at the Saddle Dome. The division games are so important this year Very because important. the division is so tight. I mean, you have a, approximately a, as we're talking about it right now, a ten point gap from first to third. 
But you heard in our conversation with Brad Curl, the Tigers are literally one point out from like last in the entire conference. Yep. That's how close they are, and they head into the weekend third in their division. So uh, everyone's really tight this season. Winning those division games are super important. Yeah, you're not going to know what you get with Winnipeg or with Regina, but when you have Calgary and Lethbridge on the schedule, uh, you need to pick up points when you can against them. So I am, uh, I'm with you. I'm hopeful for a, a 2-0 weekend. Yeah, let's go, boys. Let's get those two dubs this weekend. We need it. Just a reminder, bonus episode. Scott Roblin sits down, talks to Cole Sillinger, mm-hmm. former Tiger, now Columbus Blue Jacket. Great interview, I'm, I'm told. I, yeah. We haven't heard We're going to listen to it at the same time you guys hear it. Yeah, it's really good. Really so, good. Uh, have yourself a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This has been Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. Powered by South Country Co-op. Thanks to all of our show contributors. Thank you for your help. Be looking for a new Tigers Uncaged podcast every week during hockey season. Oh, 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 oh.